If you're good at something, never do it for free. Typhoon, y'all know me, and I'm coming up, just wait and see. If you're good at something, never do it for free. But if you're great at something, would you still agree? Typhoon, y'all know me, and I'm coming up, just wait and see. If you're good at something, never do it for free. But if you're great at something, would you still agree? Hey everyone, welcome back to Kevin and the Wu-Tang Clan, and today... I have my good friend Andrew Ramondi back on as we talk about the NBA. Um, it's about a third of the way into the season now, Andrew, and I'm glad to have you back on. Thanks, man. Uh, glad to be back as well. Uh, I can't remember exactly when the last time we talked. What It feels like a lot of time has passed and maybe not a lot of time has passed, but uh, thanks for having me back. Excited. Yeah, I think it's been, I'm looking it up right now. Um, scrolling through the archives, it's been about a month since we've had our last podcast, and we kind of talked about. I think it was like ten games into the season, our our initial reactions and thoughts, and basically the whole synopsis of that podcast was we're gonna have to wait a little bit longer and see, um, see if these trends continue on for the rest of the season. And there's been a lot of really um, interesting storylines that have kind of persisted throughout the first third of the season. Yeah, it's interesting. Um, just from a macro view, before we get into it, I think we're going to try and spend this podcast. I think last time we did kind of a very far-reaching, probably talked about like almost like two-thirds of the league. I think we're going to try and hone in on uh, on on contenders on the top of each conference a little bit but just from a macro view like do you feel like what do you feel like we've learned a lot more in these last couple months or do you feel the the same as you did before because I think my initial thought not that it won't make for an interesting podcast is like are there aren't that many teams I feel drastically different about from you know a month ago to now? What about what about you? No, I totally agree with that. I think there's a couple of different teams maybe that have been surprising in that in the way that they've been able to sustain their success. Yeah. Um, past the ten games, maybe for example, like Dallas and Miami, yeah. um, and maybe we could even throw Toronto in there and Indiana. But those are, I would say, the teams that 10 games into the season, you're like, oh, you can have a hot 10 games and then fall off of a cliff. But having 25 to 27 games and being good, like, I think it's a little bit harder to, to sustain that type of success. For sure. So, Andrew, what I, I know you kind of proposed this to me through text message and kind of rating uh the the contenders and maybe seeing if they're for real or not through what a one through five yeah so like one's meaning complete fraud they have no chance of making it like let's put the let's put the goal at like making it to the finals so we're looking at like long-term finals like contention possibly so we're gonna put them at like one meaning like i really don't see them having any chance of making it to the finals three being like and one move away five being like i think they're gonna make it to the finals like as it stands okay now basically so actually why don't we why don't we i was thinking like we'll just try and hit the top four from each conference which is interesting because like that would leave out like the sixers and the rockets but Mm -hmm. maybe at the end we can go off the board for one or two but let's go 
four to one in each conference instead of one to four because I think that gives us a chance to start in the West with Dallas, who I think is a team we have had a lot of like discussions about off right. off the podcast as well, and that like we might have as I'm like kind of going through my brain thinking about the last podcast, like that might we definitely had talked a decent amount about the Lakers and Clippers. So why why don't we start with the Mavs and I mean Kev. Like you're the biggest, one of the biggest Luca fans I know. Um, I'm sad right now. There's why? I mean, he's injured. He's been injured. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. That's no, the that, only reason. That, that is yeah. that is true. So maybe we kind of missed missed the boat ever so slightly. But uh, what's the long term prognosis on him? I want it to be kind of candid up front. I'm probably and again, don't turn the podcast off. But because of three things. Us going through finals, the uh, Maryland basketball doing well, the Ravens doing well, and the Blazers underperforming, although they've come around slightly. We can talk about that later. I'm probably as, like, I've listened to less NBA podcasts and stuff as usual. Honestly, what is, what's Luca's prog, like, is he going to be out for a while? I don't know. Um, I think the last time I read, and that was two days ago, was that he would be out for two weeks or so, and then they'd kind of reevaluate and see. Um, the fact that he's injured at all kind of scares me. Not that it was like a long-term injury, but it, I've, I basically have this irrational thing with Luca right now where I feel like a crazy ex-girlfriend basically checking up on his status like every, like pretty much every day trying to see like, can I get to know more and more about this guy <laughs> and figure things out. But I guess to get to the rating system and seeing like how their long-term prognosis is, I'm at like a, like, in t- and I guess the measure is whether or not they can make the finals. I think it's like a two. I was going to say like two a, as yeah, well. Yeah, maybe a 1.75 or yeah. something like that. They give me kind of, although they will be slightly better, they give me kind of like early, pre, like two, three years ago Bucks vibes, kind of, mm-hmm. where it's like they're frisky, but I think they're probably going to have to take their lumps in a playoff series. Like, I wouldn't be surprised if they were, like, in the in the in in a 4-5 matchup, like, right now as it stands with Rot- the Rockets. Like, I wouldn't be surprised if they lost a series, like, 4-1 or something like that. Totally agree. Not, like not to say anything negative, but just, like, I, I think the, the chances of, like, Luka, I mean... We've we we had a lengthy discussion off the pod about like his MVP chances for this for this season. I think he's probably a top three candidate. I don't think he's quite there yet in in my book, but um, you know, I I just think he's not. We're not quite ready to have that discussion yet. And uh, the roster as currently constructed, I mean, me and you were both kind of skeptical about it going in. I think it's worked better than expected. We've t- I've t- talked to you about Maxi Kleba, I think, being a really good fit next to Porzingis and stuff like that. I don't even think Porzingis has played well. I think he's come on as of late, but I don't think he's necessarily played up to his ceiling. So I think this is a team that's, like, not fully there yet. They're obviously further along than we expected. Luka's obviously taken a big step. Um, Yeah, but I I don't think... yeah, I don't think for this year I, yeah, I'm yeah. ready to put them in that, like, contenders list yet. Like, honestly, as I'm looking down, I would probably put the Rockets and the 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 Jazz have been shaky. Maybe we can hit them really quick at the end. But I think I actually would probably take the Rockets and Jazz to make the finals before I take the Mavs to I, make the finals at this point. I pretty much agree with that. I think, 
I mean, the one positive thing is they had a game against the Milwaukee Bucks a couple days ago yeah, where they I was ended, just looking at yeah, this. They ended their 18-game winning streak, uh, the Bucks' 18-game winning streak, without Luka playing. Yeah. And I, I think that kind of shows that this team isn't just Luka. For sure. Um, and that it's... And Luka's a huge part of that offense, but the the way they create shots in their offensive system is extremely impressive, and that could be credited to um, Rick Carlisle and his staff and the way that they've been able to move the ball around and basically like, all right, Seth Curry, you're shooting threes. Yeah. like, And they're giving these guys free reign to kind of uh, bomb all these threes and, and just be like, all right, just shoot them and like there's basically no repercussions if you miss them at all yeah i i think that's a good point um dallas is actually number one in the league in offensive efficiency right now and that's kind of why i was thinking of the bucks as my comparison especially considering that bucks game that you mentioned like a hallmark of the bucks's success over the past couple years has been like even in games where Giannis hasn't played they performed like pretty well, and that's a testament to that offensive system, like you were saying. I'd be interested to see if they sustain. I'm still, I don't think they'd like fall. I think at this point they're firmly entrenched in like the top six for sure. Mm -hmm. um, I wouldn't expect them to fall off massively, barring injury. But I would be interested to see if they stay at that top of the league. If it, it kind of reminds me again. I've been. We've had a lot of talk off the pod that I, we don't necessarily have to go down the side tour. Maybe we save it for for as we get closer to the end of the season. But I've been thinking about Luca in comparison to to Harden a lot, and I. Like, this could be – I'm, like, wondering will they sustain their offensive efficiency and it possibly echoes that, like, Harden early thing where it was like, he can't keep doing this. He can't keep doing – you know what I mean? Until and all he's the, done until it, yeah. yeah. until, like, it's it's happened too long for you to, to doubt it. So uh, that'll that'll be interesting to see. But, yeah, I, I, I pretty much feel the same way as you. Totally agree. So, Andrew, let's move on. Let's go to the east, actually. Let's okay. go, like, four, four, okay. three, three. So we'll, we'll go four – in the East Raptors. Um, and I think this is pretty surprising for a lot of folks. And they're right now at sitting at 19 and eight ahead of the 76ers um, who are in fifth, but the Raptors are 19 and eight. And with this roster of players that I think a lot of people didn't really expect to have post Kawhi leaving for the Clippers. And there, there was, I think this roster was in limbo and they're trying to, a lot of NBA insiders were kind of speculating Masai Ujiri to make some moves to maybe blow this team up, and I'm not exactly sure how feasible that is in, in terms of the position they're in. So what type of rating would you give this team uh, in I terms of making, making the finals? finals. Yeah, I, I think probably around the same. I'd actually, just because of maybe the st strength as I perceive it at the top of the East versus the West, like I'd give them a two and a half to two or three. Mm -hmm. um, but I, yeah, I think I, I'm right I, there. With I think you. I'd put it there. Um, it's kind of interesting when I look at the, the stats, they're almost like the anti-Mavs in a way, like they've been doing it on the strength of their defense for sure. Um, a thing that is obviously important to point out is that 
to maybe the casual NBA fan is that like this isn't happening by virtue of Lowry and Gasol. In fact, they've both missed a decent, especially Lowry has missed a decent amount of games. I'm looking at cleaning the glass right now, and the highest usage players on this team are Pascal Siakam, as you would expect, and mm-hmm. then you have Van Vliet and OG Ananobi. Like Lowry's like not very high up in usage, and Marc Gasol actually in the NBA in cleaning the glasses like percentile, he's in the thirty second percentile of usage. So they're not factoring into what this team has done very ha- heavily at all. The defense looks ex- extraordinary susta- extraordinarily sustainable. Um and that's kind of why I maybe even like them a little bit more than the Mavs. Like I just feel like that that could bear itself. Will they be the number one defense the entire season? And I think that's what the surprise has been more than anything. Mm-hmm. We talked before the season about Siaka maybe taking a step, and I, I think he has become that all-NBA-level player that, that you thought he might be. Um, but the defense, to me, is the, is, the, is the thing that's buoying them. Yeah, and I think what the really impressive thing that's kind of... Um, that, that's been really impressive for this team has been without Lowry for 10 games, I believe, and then without Serge Ibaka for 10 games, they've they've been able to sustain a level of success to the point where, like, this team should win 50 games Mm -hmm. with the way they've been playing right now. Yeah, for sure. And I think it would be a bit of a surprise if they didn't. And and that's to say Masai doesn't blow this thing up at all and kind of keeps the team like this team could win 50 to 55 yeah probably oh, well cleaning glass right now has their expected wins at 55.7 so you're yep. you're right there and it'll be interesting to see how they play it at the deadline if at all originally i was actually a little high on the raptors going into the season i feel i feel pretty happy about that you're um, killing me in the east picks by yeah the, way. the east picks well it was kind of unfortunate because i like if we had been reversed i would have probably taken a lot of the same teams as mm-hmm. as you had um like you know take i wouldn't have taken the raptors second i would have taken the sixers and we can maybe get to the sixers at the end of like their you know Despite having underachieved, how do do I still feel like they're they a were better our final team? Yeah. yeah, exactly. Um, but uh, crap. What? Oh, so it'll be interesting to see how Ujiri plays it at the deadline. Early on, you were saying to me like, well, maybe they're the way they've performed without Lowry would make them more likely to trade Lowry. But I don't, I don't know like what exactly they would. I think at this point you have to play it for this season. Like if you're making any moves, like you want to do something to get better as opposed to long term. You have Lowry now, I think, on that weird one year extension, extension going yep. into next year. So you can kinda like play it safe and like always move him move on from him next year as well. Like if I were prescribing one thing for them that would like I'm I'm trying to think like who would like a Danilo Gallinari like make this team better. I don't know. I don't like, think so. Do, that's what, where their ceiling is. Like what makes this team really better? Like where they could upgrade is kind of an interesting question. But maybe this is the type of NBA season, given the relative parity and like the kind of duos as opposed to trio star power. Like. Could this be a season where a kind of like they pull a Detroit Pistons and like on the strength of their kind of chemistry and yeah, continuity. chemistry and continuity, yeah. and that's maybe short selling Siakam a little bit. Um, I don't think he's quite one of those like 
true number one. You know what I mean? Guys Mm -hmm. that on his own strength can win you win you a championship. So that I mean, there's a little bit of flux there. But uh, yeah, pleasant surprise. And like, I don't see them falling off. Like you said, I see them in that kind of 53 to 55 win range myself. Totally agree. All right. So moving on to team number three in the West. And we got the Nuggets. Yeah, so this is kind of interesting. Um, kind of a weird year for them. Um, we both liked them uh, pretty decently going into the going into the regular season, and um, I I would say for me, I was extremely wrong about one thing, and we were both kind of right about one thing. I think we both liked the idea of this team's continuity, kind of buoying it. I said buoying twice in this podcast now. Their depth, yeah. Yeah, their depth and the, the fact that they were bringing back mostly the same team in a league where a lot of teams were radically shifting would help them a lot. And I think we both liked the idea of them b- being kind of a regular season stalwart. Like, they know how to win games. They can outperform their... They, like, outperform their win differential stuff like that and I think we've seen that because on the other hand I liked Nikola Jokic as a sleeper MVP candidate coming into this season and that has not looked particularly good at mm-hmm. all I mean yeah. he's been really at it he just hasn't he hasn't been like super bad but he he's fat and he just doesn't have that pop that he did early on in in last season where he was really being this difference maker you know all these assists, like, kind of doing it all, as it were. I think this year it's been more of a team effort, um, maybe getting by kind of, like, on the strength of, of their defense, which has it's been noted they've maybe had a little bit of luck in terms of opponents shooting threes. Like, they've given up a lot of corner threes, but they haven't necessarily – other teams haven't been making them as a good rate at a good rate. So my, like, one to five rating, it's interesting, like – I don't I don't really see them making the finals. I put them kind of in that firmly. Like, I'd put them out of three, probably. I would probably put Denver, like, the Rockets, and the Jazz all at, like, a three, basically. Similar like, I put, I put them all in the same tier, basically. Yeah, I, I, maybe it's because of the lack of, like, pop that you mentioned from Jokic and not having the guy to rely on Mm -hmm. and maybe there being questions about whether or not Jokic and Jamal Murray are going to be able to carry this team to finals like I'm at like a two and a half maybe trending towards a two on them just because if our rating system is based on like whether or not the likelihood of this team making the finals I'm betting like four other teams in the west before Mm -hmm. uh, before the Nuggets Um, um but yeah, I, I just think Jokic hasn't shown enough growth from last year and maybe even like a half step down yeah. from last year to the point where he needs to like I was expect I was expecting like a him to break out to that point where like MVP top mm-hmm. five, top three yeah. candidate to kind of for them to take that next step and maybe s- cement themselves as one of the top teams in the west and the league and i just don't think they've shown that but they've they're showing they're showing consistency like yeah they're third in the west yeah. like i don't know i i don't really know you can ex- expect more from this team especially with the season that 
the Lakers and the Clippers are having ahead of them. For sure. I want to hit you with two things. One is just maybe the idea, just just to counter that, I don't know, but just to play devil's advocate. Like, maybe the fact of the matter is, and you're seeing it in the extreme with Jokic, if so, that this is a team that kind of has now, last year was kind of the breakout year, and maybe the fact of the matter is this year, it's hard. We've seen with not that they're on the same level, but kind of dynasty type teams like the Warriors or the Heat or the Cavs that as you kind of with um, continuity also can occasionally come co- become co- become complacency. And maybe this is a team that kind of knows what it has to do night in and night out and isn't necessarily pushing it. Does that make does that make me change how I feel about them in the playoffs really. at all? Probably not. You know, yeah. one more year together could could help them. Do you think like. Do you like them as a Kevin Love destination? Do you think that moves the needle at all? Like, I mean, what, who's going to guard that on that t- on that front line? Yeah. I guess like does the Millsap. Yeah, I mean, Millsap has been Love. playing well, and I think he's covered up some stuff on. Uh, but I think you hope you bring in Grant off the bench, and it's kind of like an Ibaka, nah, not, but like kind of that. You you hope you can kind of get by and like I don't think Millsap and uh, Millsap and Jokic is like that much. Of w- I mean, it would be worse, but I I think at that point you're hoping that what you would lose in defense you would you would make up make up for in offense. I'm trying to look at where where the Nuggets are in in offense right now. Yeah, they're at 18th, so you would maybe hope that they would kind of balance each other out a bit, and then he would just give you more of an option to kind of, like, initiate stuff yeah, through. I'm not sure I see it, but I, I don't... Yeah, I would have liked the more I would have liked the more as a Beal destination prior to his extension. Like, yep. I think that would have been kind of the needle-moving move. But uh, if they don't make a move, you know, you kind of have to rely on internal growth from either Murray or Jokic to, to, to reach the next level, you know. Yeah, totally. So. And I think you're touching upon, like, all the trade options that are becoming possibilities now with team yeah. with players that signed contracts in the summer um, being eligible to be um, traded. So that uh, I guess that was pretty recent, like in the past week or yeah, so. Yeah, I, I think, think December fifteenth. No, I think it was December fifteenth. So yeah, yeah, December fifteenth being eligible to be traded. So you're gonna be here be hearing a lot more rumors like Kevin Love and yeah. like a lot of these other players that are gonna be. Um, rumored to be traded. It does seem a, like a weird trade market. I was listening to a Zach Lowe podcast recently where they were talking. There aren't as many clear-cut like buyers and sellers. You have a lot of these teams in no man's land, like uh, Thunder or someone like that, like teams that have overperformed a little bit, you know, so... Not not to go down too far that rabbit hole. I'm sure we'll talk about it as we get closer to the trade deadline. But that's just something I'm keeping in mind as I do these these rankings or these ratings. Like, is there if there is that kind of guy out there that might push them over the edge? I think it's worth talking about. So with that, uh, I think we can move on to to the East with another kind of surprise team. We talked a little bit about. Uh, a month ago or so, mm-hmm. but uh, have really only kept it up. The Miami Heat. Uh, what do you make of the Heat, Kevin? I am so... I did not see this coming from this team at all um, in the beginning of the season, and I was so thrown off by how well they've performed. And, like, Bam has looked, incre- like, incredible yeah. for what he's um, being asked to do. And I just never 
thought the pieces would fit together as well as they've had, um, as well as they've have. And some of these guys that you, I I don't know, some of the guys that you. Well, as I you look at their roster, I doubt. Kind of I doubt that when we were doing our preseason, um, our preseason picks or whatever, like when I doubt the name Kendrick Nunn was mentioned when was we were talking say. about the like Heat. who who was that guy, and he's the second leading scorer on the Heat right now. Um, like Tyler Heroes playing pretty decently as a as a rookie. Um, someone like Duncan Robinson, yeah. definitely did not come up in our pre preseason sure. podcast either. Um, and he's been like one of those rotation pieces, and your guy Myers Leonard, uh, show, he's contributing, contributing, yeah. he, he, showing he's up, giving a little bit, yeah. yeah, exactly, showing up in the rotation. So, um, I it's it's surprising how well this team has like looked and fit together. I still, if I had to give them a rating system, I'd probably put them at a two or yeah, a three. I I put um, them at a two, but like a yeah, it's probably like a two, but I just don't believe it yet, and. If they may, were to make a move, and that's kind of why we were talking about trades and potential moves that they can make down the line closer to the trade deadline, then I think it starts getting interesting. Like, w- Because I don't think this is a finished product in terms of like if they do decide to make a move this year um, and go for it, then I think it's going to get a lot of, um, I guess, a lot more <laughs> of those, like, win now what i guess balancing of the win now mm-hmm. or maybe conserving some of their cap space yeah. um for the future especially 2021 when like Giannis is supposed to be a free agent i think that's a possibility for them and and they'll have that in the back of their mind um as a trade deadline approaches yeah um i i agree with you i'm looking kind of through their stats a little bit and and they don't they're kind of, as you said. I mean, Jimmy Butler's playing well, and Bam has been has been really good. Um, but, and I think we talked about this a month ago. We kind of blew by them a little. bit. I think my brother had pointed out the Heat to me as a team like he enjoyed watching, and uh, they were at the near. I think they were near the top of the East when we when we talked last. But at this point, you have to take them seriously. But when I'm looking at their stats, like eleventh in offense. I mean, eleventh in defense and like seventeenth uh, in 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 offense, I believe. I'm sorry, seventh in offense and like yeah, seventh in defense. Then, but they're not like blowing me away on either end of the floor necessarily. And uh, I think now Bam has shown that maybe he can be like that second, maybe th- it'd probably be better if he were the third guy, to be honest with you. Yeah. I mean, there's definitely another level he can, he can possibly get to. Um, but, uh, I think they, you brought up something interesting when it comes to the trades. Um, I think they actually really make a lot of sense as a Kevin Love destination because, like you pointed out before, I think K-Love and Bam makes a lot of sense as a kind of defensive uh, front uh, front court um, with Bam playing small ball center. I think his his success at, at the five has been kind of something that wasn't necessarily expected of him coming into the league. Might have to do with how the league has shifted over the last couple of years as well but i think that would make sense but you do raise that interesting point of i don't even know if they can make it work with the money but like do you want to give up 
the last few assets you have and tie up a lot of your money long term? Or do you maybe want to let it ride, kind of see what happens this year, knowing you probably aren't going to make the finals and then kind of try and finally clear the decks? I think that would um, be the of smart Dragic's and, and some of those lingering negative assets. Yeah, I think that would be the Although smart Dragic's move. Although played well. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think that would be the smart move to kind of exercise patience and say, really evaluate this team for what it is and really have... And we've talked about it on the podcast before about, like, parsing through the BS of... Yeah, we've had a good stretch run, but this isn't actually who we are as a team. Yeah. And I think if they're able to do that, they won't be making any drastic moves uh, from this team and kind of just enjoying the season and being like, hey, look at what we've accomplished as a as a team and like enjoy the playoffs and see if they could get to the second round and then let things roll from there. But I see this team as like on our rating system, like a two. And I think it kind of shows that, like that differentiation, especially with the Miami Heat and the team that we last talked about, uh, the Nuggets, is like that differentiation between regular season teams that perform well throughout the regular season. And there are teams like that. And then once it gets to the playoffs, there's a difference in level of play. And, and in terms of what and how the styles of play changes, um, kind of going towards like the star players and being more isocentric um, in some of the offensive schemes Definitely. for a lot of these teams. Um, so kind of talking about the elite premier teams in, in both conferences, number two right now sitting in the West, the L.A. Clippers, uh, sitting at 21 and eight right now. Um, I, I mean, I think for me, like the way I see the Clippers, like they're a four or a five for me. Like, so in let's terms say of this though, you okay. have to give one team a five at some point. Okay. So you have to pick one team that basically you think is going to make the finals at this point. It doesn't have to be the right. Clippers or the what you can save it for like the Bucks or whoever, whoever you'd like. But I, I, I don't know. I'm trying to. Because I don't know, it's got that. If I would probably give them a five, I still like them to make the finals. Probably the most out of every team. When you put it like that, I'm definitely giving this team a five between the Lakers, Clippers, and Bucks. Like this is the this is the team I'm riding with. Yeah. Even though they're 21 and eight, like sitting four games back on the loss column to the Lakers. Lakers have had a really great start to the season. I'm more concerned about. You know, LeBron's basically not going to be sitting any of these games. Yeah. So it's just like whether or not he's able to stay healthy because once he, if he does sit games or, you know, God forbid he gets injured, that's what's going to cause the Lakers to be probably like close to closer to a 500 team than to the than a team that's on pace for what 72, 73 wins. Yeah. So. Talking about the Clippers, they, I I just like how George and Kawhi have fit together, and they've had these monster offensive outputs, playing in the same game, scoring over forty points in in the same game together. Um, there, I think there's other areas of their team that they can improve, but that bench bench group of Williams and Harrell has been amazing as well like they've been able to put the ball in the basket um 
on a super consistent basis. I think they're one and two for six man of the year um, candidates. So whether you want Harrell first or whatever, but I think they're number one and two. And, you know, if some, if guys like Shamit can give you 10 to 15 a game, um, you know, Harkless, if he gives you 15 to 20 minutes a game, like that's all you literally need um, from some of those guys. And I re I just really like the fit um, of this team. The only, the only position I guess I could say they're maybe lacking in is maybe one more bigger guy behind Zubach because the Patterson minutes have not been great for them. And if they can, if they can upgrade that spot, then this team is like a for sure five for me. Yeah, no, I I definitely agree. And I was actually going to point out myself, I don't know if they're a trade candidate necessarily, but I do think they're a buyout guy candidate, mm -hmm. and I think they will improve. Um, yeah, I actually think they could stand to improve Zubach, but the fact of the matter, matter is Trez is getting most of the five minutes anyway. And I think you've kind of hit on a, a good point, like, yeah, that Ka Kawhi and Paul George have fit well together, but even like the amount of time they've played together necessarily and like the load management and just minute actually both guys have played more minutes than i thought Kawhi's playing 31 minutes a game which which was more than i i expected to do it's interesting what i've seen them like play the blazers even within a game the way they're they're very con or to put it maybe more favorably to Doc Rivers, they really know how to, and you emphasize this, kind of lean on that bench unit to kind of, like, keep them, or to tread water, and then you can kind of get George and, and Kawhi in at the same time and in for, like, very short but impactful minutes and kind of blow it open, or that's when you build up your lead and, and really do your damage. And I think that's a really smart regular season um strategy maybe in comparison to the lakers maybe not and i think that could arguably bear fruit down the line i do think the lakers have been the better team but i i 100 percent agree with you that i like them more in the long term than yeah i, do I mean the lakers although not that's not to short what the lakers have have done by by any means but uh let's talk about the lakers a little bit okay then once we train because well like, we can just go straight to the yeah, lakers because that's like fine. i mean they have been the, I would say, the best team in basketball. Nah, I think the Bucks have been the best mm, team in basketball, honestly. I think the Bucks have been so good that they've gone. They're both right there, 24 and 4. Yep. They're, they're both 20. I think the Lakers took it. Although you, the Bucks possibly have too, but I think the Lakers did. They have proven it later on, like to any Laker fans who may be listening. I don't, but I do think they took advantage of that easier schedule early on, which is mm -hmm. why I would would give the more to the Bucks. That doesn't mean I think the Bucks are a better team, be better team, but I think they're. I think they're both pretty much right there, but if I were like giving the kind of like crown for the best team so far, I would probably pick the Bucks mm. myself. Yeah, I, I guess my own. My, I guess the argument that I would make is that I don't. I, I think a lot of people were kind of questioning whether or not the Lakers pieces would fit together, and for it to have come yeah, that's this fair. quickly together and the chemistry to. I mean, I hate to say it, but I picked the Lakers and the Clippers in in the Western. Co I have both of those teams. I in know, the Western yep. Conference, and I think 
haven't have we not proven and my idea was people are overthinking this it's fucking lebron james and anthony davis isn't yep. that we could t- talk about it and get into the the ex- eccentricities of you know the, the the you know how they've worked their offense and stuff but if you were chalking it up to something aren't you basically chalking it up to lebron's playing really really well and anthony davis is playing really really well yeah the i mean those are the two driving forces and like i mean there's there hasn't been like evidence and like Ultimately, that's kind of why I've chosen the Clippers over the Lakers. Like, there hasn't been evidence of there being a consistent third guy behind those two. Mm-hmm. So yeah. that's I. That's just all. Well, but is there a consistent third guy on the Clippers? I guess no. But we like their supporting cat. Like it's mm-hmm. almost. And this was kind of going back to my idea of like how much truly have we learned? Because isn't that probably what we would have said before the yeah. season no, too? That's of true. like, well, we like the Clippers supporting cast more. You know what is what? I guess to to I didn't mean to break in and come in so high energy, yeah, but yeah. like. What would the Lakers need? Do you think they need to make another move then? Like, or what do the Lakers need to show that would maybe get us to move off this position? Yeah, a I guess bit? I guess not much because they wouldn't be able to make the requisite amount of talent play towards like getting someone of equal value to someone like Lou Lou Will and mm-hmm. uh, Harold. But I think I've been so overly impressed by both of those guys coming off the bench that that's kind of the reason why I give the edge to the Clippers. And I, I mean, I don't think you're disagreeing with me there, no. but it's just more like, oh, this is kind of what we've come to, what we came to expect one, before the one, season started. One guy we may have been underrating coming into the season is Danny Green, though. I think Danny Green yep. has fit into that. And I think we didn't necessarily think he wasn't going to, but I think he has elevated that that team a lot in ways that people might not have expected or like you know what i mean like i think his play has maybe covered up some of the uh, because guys have been hurt at times you've had rajon rondo being hurt avery bradley being hurt how much you know you've had alex caruso playing good minutes and and it's an interesting you know um it just i'm thinking like you know it's kind of that like last year being a bit of an aberration in LeBron's career. I mean, Anthony Davis has obviously played really, really well, but the MVP of that team is LeBron to me. Would would you agree? Yeah, I agree with so that. So it's kind of like maybe LeBron just kind of didn't mesh well with that, those young guys last mm. year, and like we're kind of back to business as usual to yep. some extent I is, is maybe the real answer to the question there. Yeah, totally agree. And I was just looking up percentages of on, on shooting. Rajon Rondo shooting 44% from well, three. Yeah, well, yeah, I'd be interested to go on basketball reference. I think the past three years he's probably at he's, 35 he's, he's or better. Like like the, he's been, like, league average. He's been decently I, league average, but, like, 44% yeah. is not... Yeah. That's pretty good. Like on, I wonder how many attempts a game. Three a game. Taking. Three a game. Yeah. Not not, that's bad. not bad. It's no, not that's like not bad. it's not an insignificant amount. So it's been fairly impressive. Yeah, he shot thirty five percent on or thirty six percent on three point one, but thirty six to forty three. Getting over forty percent is yeah. is a pretty big jump for so sure. So, I think overall both of us have the Lakers. I'd put the at Lakers four. at the four and the Clippers at a five. Yeah, totally yeah. agree. All right, so let's move on to the Eastern teams. Uh. The top two teams in the East, we got Celtics at number two, sitting at eighteen and seven, and the Bucks twenty four and four in the number one spot. 
Um, yeah, and, and you kind of alluded to the Bucks being your number one team in the whole entire league, probably the best team in the league, uh, the way they've played. Giannis has looked, I don't know how that's possible, but he's I think Giannis even, is the MVP, probably. He's looked I mean, better. Not, he's looked better than last year, yeah. which is insane to me with less <laughs> stuff around him, yeah. without Brogdon ar- yeah. around him. And it's just been so impressive. He's probably my MVP pick as well. Um, as much as I love Luca, but like he's looked incredible, and that I I don't even know what else to say about him, but he's pretty much improved in every category, um, since compared to last year. Yeah, now it's I once again it's like the kind of what do you say thing, like it's like it's kind of hard to say something novel about Giannis really. Oh, and he's shooting threes too. If he gets that three really going, like he's going to be even more unstoppable. Like that's kind of what you say every time. But it, the fact of the matter is it, it's true. There's nothing you can do about it. But to, to kind of transition, it, is it po- so I would have the Bucks at a four probably i would probably have them at a softer four than the lakers to be honest with you yeah because this is like 4.25 lakers are at 4.5 yeah or something, something like that. Yeah, yeah i i would yeah or like i would probably put the bucks out of yeah i i'm not gonna get pedantic <laughs> and try and cur- <laughs> i'd probably put the bucks out of four and then the lakers at a 4.25 okay, but yep. um but when you look at this team you look at the rest of because I do think they're the best. I agree. I just said I thought they were the best team in the league. But it's important to, that I don't think that necessarily means that. I still don't even know if they're my pick coming out of the East because I've, I've been talking. The point I'm trying to make is like, yes, Giannis is really, really good. But then you look at the rest of the team and you're like thinking about the playoffs and you're like, okay, we're going to still get to the playoffs and it's going to be like Eric Bledsoe time. Yeah. And like... And how reliable when, is when Chris do, Middleton? Yeah, when do we, you know, how do we reconcile that going? Giannis being better obviously would help them in the playoffs because it would it would make them better. He would be better. He could he could handle more of the load. But uh, what what do they need to do for? Do you agree with kind of like my feeling of that this is still a team better geared maybe towards success in the regular season? Totally agree. And if that's the case, like then what what do we need? We need uh uh you do we really need friggin' Malcolm Brogdon. Yep. They that's, need a Malcolm that, Brogdon they, type. It would be interesting if they had kept Brogdon. Yeah. And he had ta- like that's kind of the question with, with the Brogdon thing is like would he have made this leap on the Bucks, or was it kind of more of an opportunity allowing him? Yeah. Shout out to you. You may have not picked very well in our <laughs> preseason picks. <laughs> I got but, one but prediction. You were right? in you were in on Malcolm Brogdon big time and and that that's looking really, really good. But um do you think that would have like I think his I think it's it's kind of like that classic thing that once he gets more opportunities, he's gonna perform a lot better and I I don't think he he would have been a role player in this system and he would have been maybe third fiddle um still yeah. to Chris Middleton and uh Giannis. So I don't really know how But his skill set would have them having his skill set would have made me feel better about their playoff chances. Yeah, I for think for sure and it's if, important to realize right. they could have kept him. They would have been further into the they would have been the in the tax, luxury yeah. tax but they they could have kept him. Yeah. I think 
I think he changes the dynamic. Uh, like if they kept Brogdon Brogdon this summer, I think I would have chosen them over um, Philly as my team in the finals. Mm-hmm. Yeah, like I think I think I would have predicted Milwaukee over Philly. You didn't finals. pick Milwaukee over I'm try- Philly. I'm I thought you did pick. Did Milwaukee. I choose Milwaukee? I think you had Milwaukee Clippers and I had Sixers Clippers. Maybe you're right, but I I yeah. But you would feel better. But about I guess I would feel a lot more, and that's kind of like I maybe I did have Milwaukee, but I even th- the way they've performed this season, I don't feel very like confident that they're going to be able to sustain this success throughout the postseason. Yeah, I think what they're going to probably end up doing is they're going to be looking for that. Um, they're going to be looking for that Miritich kind of fringy move like they did last year. And you hope that kind of the the one thing I'll say is that I do think the East, I think the NBA on the whole is kind of weaker than it was last year. To be honest, than you, it's hard to say. But like, because the West isn't that strong necessarily either. Mm-hmm. But like, it's definitely weaker at the bottom. But the East doesn't have that like star power necessarily that it mm-hmm. did last year. Well, it feels almost diluted. And like that, I feel like, better about way. the Bucks. We both like Toronto last year yep. too. I think as I don't think we picked them initially, but as the season went on, I think we were on them pretty hard. Like I think we both picked them to make the finals. Yeah. And once I've, they made the trade for Gasol, we we're kind of like, all right, we're yeah. totally in on. Yeah, this exactly. Yeah. But I. Even though we've both been a little bit negative, I would say I feel better about the Bucks against. I would still have the, and we can get there. I think probably next. I would still feel better about the Bucks against the Sixers, who I think are still my second favorite team, favorite quote unquote team in the East, as opposed to the Bucks against the Raptors last year. Mm-hmm. Yeah, totally. So, should we? I mean, we didn't. We didn't thing, hit Boston. What but do you think? Like, I don't really have anything interesting to say about Boston right now. I haven't really watched them in the past yeah, month, yeah. so that could have. Something Hayward's to do been with back, it. and he's been pretty good, honestly. I, I have them at like a three point five. I think. Okay. Um, and I think that would surprise a lot of people. Yeah, that I think, would surprise me. I'd probably put him at like that kind of low three. Yeah, low three. I and. The reason why I say it is I just think they have some of this chemistry between those three wing players of Brown, Tatum, and Hayward. And those are the three guys that are going to really drive this team. And Kemba's been really good. Like, he's been what they wanted out of Kyrie. Mm -hmm. In that, like, he's doing his thing. He's scoring 23. I think it's like 22 or 23 a game. And he's basically doing... But he's contributing to winning basketball? Yeah, kind of. <laughs> like, he's doing the things that they wanted Kem- or uh, Kyrie to do in in those certain spots. And then, like, letting the offense breathe in other ways um, at, uh, at other times. Where, like, Kemba feels more content to allow those things to happen. No, that's, if that makes sense. No, that's, that's definitely true. Honestly, I think... It's you could definitely make an argument though that the best player on the Celtics this season has been Jalen Brown. I think he's become mm. like one of my favorite players 
in in the league basically um i'm just looking at his clip just like very high usage but he's more efficient than than tatum is and not that tatum's bad but i think like tatum kind of is what he is at at this point and in 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 a in a positive way but i think brown just the way he can impact he's turned into that player that can impact the even though he doesn't necessarily have a showy offensive game he's just now become like a two-way player like i wouldn't be surprised if he's an all-star in the east this, yeah this season. it wouldn't it wouldn't be surprising to me and then hayward like he was injured for a while yeah. but him coming back and he's back to like shooting close to 40 percent from three uh spacing the floor and that's been i've been impressed by that because if he he's the one out of those guys like Brown's kind of taken a step up, but like Tatum, Tatum hasn't like changed that significantly at all in comparison to last year. Hayward's going to be the one guy that differentiates where Boston is in the pecking order. And that's kind of where my basis of 3.5 is coming from in terms of like, I, I believe that he's for real, if he can stay healthy, obviously, but if, if this is all for real, I think it changes their trajectory in terms of where they can go. Yeah, the thing I'm a little bit nervous about, and maybe you can refute me, I- I'm a little bit still nervous about, I mean, their defense has held up well, but as you get into that more matchup-based playoff kind of um, style of basketball, I'm a little bit nervous about their lack of big depth getting exposed a little bit more. Like, yeah, they've they kind of made it work with the, like, Daniel Tice, Grant Williams, platoon, like, Canner's been kind of on and off the court so far this year. But uh, as you even get to, like, a Bam Adebayo or, you know, a Brook Lopez and Giannis combo, I'm not sure if they... Like, they have the horses to guard wings, but I'm not... Sh- I, I, I wonder if that that kind of flaw could be picked apart as we as we get to the playoffs. Do you think so? If you have them at a 3.5, you think they could, let's say just Eastern Conference Finals, you like you think there's like a decent chance of them getting to the Eastern Conference Finals like as it stands now? Like, I, I, or is there a move? Are you anticipating some sort of marginal thing? Like if the matchups break right, they can get to the fi- Eastern Conference Finals. Like, and... I wouldn't be surprised if they beat one of the Philly. So do you like them more than Philly right now? Mm, it's tough to say, but yes, because Philly hasn't shown consistently. I think like, Philly's a really tough matchup for the Celtics. It's, That's it's kind a, of what I was thinking about yeah, when I was... I, I guess, like, yeah, now that I think about it, the, the matchup is tough for them. But, like, in terms of, like, if they weren't playing each other, then I probably like Boston better to, like, get farther in the playoffs. But in terms of, like, how, I guess, like, in terms of how the the way they match up, you're kind of right in that if Embiid's, like, hitting on all cylinders, like, they have no one to stop him at all. So that's probably the problem uh, for them. I guess, like, to move on and talk about some of the, teams that are outside of the top four in each conference yeah we can try and kind of quick hit them yeah let's do um i was thinking just like houston and philly because i think that's fine those are like the two teams that yeah i mean maybe next time uh, the the pacers are an interesting team but i don't really think there's that much interesting stuff to to say about them right now so i think that's i think that's fair so philly like 
They're twenty and nine. They're right there with like all the top four. I just think they're a weirdly constructed team. And this is and what this you is thought from the beginning of the season. Yeah, and Embiid hasn't. Embiid's like kind of not been amazing. Like he's been good, but he hasn't been otherworldly amazing. Yeah. Um, and I think that's kind of where Philly needs he. They need him in the playoffs to be one of the best players on the court for them to to succeed um and i don't know i don't know if you liked some of the other pieces like simmons and like how josh richardson and tobias harris have fit but i'm i would be a little concerned about their depth and these are all things that we pointed out yeah coming into this that's kind of where i was going to go with it to to be honest uh I think my lack, uh, like, my gaps of knowledge are mostly in the East. Like, I haven't watched enough of the Sixers to really, like, diagnose what's going on. But just looking at the raw stats, like, they're 15th in offense right now, 6th in defense. I think their defense can get to that top three level, which will help them a lot. But going into the season, like, I was very high on Philly, but I said the problem is going to be, like, where their offense is coming from, not which is kind of sounds silly to say maybe to the average fan because it's like, well, they have Tobias Harris, they have Joel Embiid, they have, you know, Ben Simmons. Like, these are good offensive players. Um, but I, I think that has proven to be an issue thus far. I was talking to you about this. I, I think the Simmons fit, it, it's possible if the season, like, they continue to underperform, that this becomes, like, a major... Not, but it becomes more and more of a talking point. I, I hear you on the Embiid thing, but I do think that... I, like, I think he's going to come along. Like, I, I, I yeah. feel pretty confident about it. What I'm more concerned about long-term is this kind of, like... Simmons Richardson fit thing uh I mean Richardson has missed a little bit of time I think which is kind of like exacerbated those those bench issues that you've they've talked about I think they need a back I think they need another ball handler on this team whether it's via um a buyout or a trade like kind of like I, I'm trying to think of like who I would it would be interesting to, I don't think they would do it but it'd be interesting to see if they like took a shot on like Jamal Crawford or something like that he's not necessarily a playmaker but to kind of take a flyer on him as like a Lou Williams type who can like buoy or second I said buoy again but who can kind of like st- stabilize your second unit but that was kind of a digression it's just like that where is the offense coming from on any given night and i said to you it would have been interesting like i wonder what would have happened in an alternate universe where like ben simmons was traded for like ingram and lonzo ball like would this be a better team and i'm i i think the answer could be yes honestly yeah Yeah, totally agree so houston's doesn't have that problem of like where their offense is coming from it's james harden and he's this is ridiculous. He's averaging 39 points a game. Yeah. One point away from 40 points a game. Thank you. Thank you for just the math. So, just so people don't know how to do math. like just did 39 it. is one less than yeah. 40. Just in case. Um, yeah, it's, <laughs> that's, it's ridiculous. That's it's true. honestly ridiculous how good he's been. And we've had private qu- conversations about how good Harden's been yeah. and like how... A lot of people are underrating him in some ways. And, like, I don't think people are... I think people are so caught up in, like, his style of play. And, like, he shoots a ton of free throws and does all this type of stuff. 
and people are turned off that turned off by his playing style that they don't recognize how great averaging basically 40 points a game is. Yeah, I think he's basically become the most underrated player of this generation and not that he I think most people think he's like a top 5 player, but just not realizing that he's like maybe going to be up there as like other than like I don't know MJ and Wilt Chamberlain like and whoever else like the best offense one of the best offensive players of all time. Um so that's kind of like my shortened like version of the of the take and that you hit on the stat and I think the style of play makes a makes a kind of uh plays a role in that as you alluded to. And the retort is like kind of the playoff stuff and I think that's why I was thinking of his his comparison like where he is at in his career and the way he's viewed right now reminds me a lot of like pre twenty eleven Dirk. Mm. Which is like this thing of like, ah, this is like a generationally great player, but like hasn't really proved it in the playoffs and remember that old like it seems so antiquated now but like that dirk is soft and yep. you know like it's kind of similar in a lot of ways mm-hmm. at the idea that like oh harden just flops all the time and like there are kind of a lot of parallels in that uh, and idea. yeah and like he's not gonna shed that until he actually proves he can do it which is like the unfortunate thing but i think that he's gonna be underrated for a long time until he proves like he he can get um get it done in the playoffs yeah and i don't think that's going to change this year Uh, the funny thing is also that like the russell westbrook thing like hasn't even like really worked out westbrook isn't playing that well to my eyes like i don't know what the statistical profile really says about it not Um, shooting great but no uh, he's extremely high in usage and in points for per shot attempt as per cleaning the glass he's in the 26th percentile i mean he gets a lot of assists and stuff but it's funny when you put him up next to harden like harden is just so much world he should have fucking why the (laughs) fuck did he not win mvp that year yeah yeah yeah. like that always will completely stick and you were you you were on that i was on that i wanted him to i wanted him to i kind of just went down with the shit but i kind of wanted him to win last year too um yeah but uh, totally agree it kind of just like yeah it's kind of one of those things where it is what it is and but it's something to certainly continue keeping an eye on because especially as we get closer to the end of the season and those MVP narratives start to form, how he's talked about and treated will be interesting. Yeah. I mean, as long as the Mavs are above them in the standings, I th- and Luca, unless he really misses a lot of games, I think Luca will be... Uh, Ahead it, of him? Uh, maybe. I, I think that'll be an interesting debate, and maybe we can save that in-depth kind of discussion of that for another day but yeah for sure uh do you want to quickly talk about our own teams or yeah do i think w- okay I, th- I think that's good i think we hit on everything yeah, else yeah. all right so portland um they're sitting at i have to scroll down this thing <laughs> <laughs> they're yeah. sitting at 12 and 16 currently in ninth uh one game back in the loss column to i think surprise surprise the sacramento kings in the eighth column eighth seed even without um, darren fox um bogdanovich yep. has played really really well yep. um and rashawn holmes uh has looked like one of the like kind of breakout it's kind of weird players i don't of, think in really the league basically any, anyone really foresaw that happening uh but the blazers are sitting at 12 and 16 general thoughts about the mellow experiment and 
how it's gone because I think it's gone positively. So yeah, this is kind of the weird thing about the Blazers. Like when you look at all the individual piece component pieces, like there you I can't fault a lot. Like I think Dame is playing well. He isn't like playing at he was playing like an MVP the first like seven games of the season and is now just settled into like his usual standard of being really good. CJ has come along spectacularly like without looking I would guess he's averaging something like 27 in his like 23 to 27 in his last like seven games. Melo has played well like he hasn't done necessarily like he hasn't done everything, like, you know what I mean? Like, he's not, like, guarding especially well, but, like, the Blazers love to say about him. Like, he's being active on defense. He looks engaged. Being he physical. looks like a part of the team. He's yeah. not playing hero ball, but he's been relatively efficient. Like, he, he's working well. And Whiteside has been playing well as also. Like, he's doing that double-double thing. And Dame said this a couple nights ago, and I think it's true. Like, he's basically doing the best he can defensively, given what else is around him because he's all over the place so much trying to cover cover up for like the missed rotations Kent Bazemore running out on guy like Kent uh, we can get to it I don't hate Kent Bazemore but like so anyway what you look at these component pieces and you're like okay everything's like performing pretty well but then you look at the team and it just doesn't have the makings of a good team to me um, I think they're 10th in offense and 20th in defense right now. I think their offense, when they signed Mello, we were talking about this idea of basically going all all in on offense. We haven't even mentioned that fucking Rodney Hood tore his Achilles yep. since we've last talked, which is extraordinarily unfortunate. We were having this funny kind of conversation when it happened of just you being like, yeah, man, that's saying, like, yeah, man, that sucks <laughs> to me in, like, various ways as I, like, tried to kind of reconcile everything. Yep. Um, but, uh, so when I watch this team, like, it just doesn't strike me as, like, a particularly good team. I don't think they'll miss the play. Like, I, I'm kind of agnostic on them to, to mm. be honest with you at this point they're reaching a soft spot in their schedule they're currently on this five game homestand where they played the Suns who have fallen off a bit and they beat the Warriors who they'll beat and their next three are Orlando Minnesota and New Orleans all at home so you win those three games you're probably going to be back in the eighth spot and like you a lot of the early season struggles I think will be largely forgotten about but I think that's and it's not that I saw them as, like, a seven to six seed, so, like, maybe they're at that kind of lower end of expectations. I'm kind of having this thought of, like, do I want to root for them to get the eighth seed, or do I kind of want to root for them to tank, as it were? But I do have the feeling that um, it's going to play, you know what I mean? Like, it's going to naturally play out. Yeah. Depending on, like, do I wish maybe they'd, the tanking would, like, probably... Um, consist of them maybe load managing Damian and CJ a little bit more. Mm -hmm. But I think, like, as I said, I don't think this team is particularly good, so I don't think they need to tank. Now, the question is, like, as we get towards the trade deadline, what are they thinking about? But as an old, somewhat of an old Shea whisperer, I think he feels the same way. Like, he said, we're not going to give up any major assets. And the major assets on this team are Anthony Simons, who has played like okay and Zach Collins who's who's hurt. Mm -hmm. So 
if you're not giving up any major assets, I think you're basically standing pat. And I don't think that's this rank can be over and we can switch over to the Nets after this. But I don't think that's the worst thing in the world because after this season, Kent Bazemore is coming off the books. Um, Hassan Whiteside is coming off the books. You'll have Nurk back and you'll have Zach Collins back and you'll have Rodney Hood back eventually. He may end up opt. They had him on this very team-friendly deal that he may now end up opting into for the next season because he tore his Achilles. So, you know, the worst, like, I've kind of talked myself into, like, just accepting what they are because I think it's Next unfortunate. Year for them. I think it's unfortunate that you might lose a year of Damon CJ's prime. But, uh, you know, you'll still have, I, there's no, like, blow it up impetus and, in me. And, and for them, like, there's no, I, I wouldn't say no pressure, but, like, the fact that they have both CJ and Dame on long-term yeah. deals, like, they don't feel like this imminent pressure to kind yeah. of make something yeah, happen I don't think right they away. Will. I don't and think I think they that's. For them, going to work out in the long term better, and next year is going to be a really yeah. interesting season for them in terms of like whether or not they can replicate what they did going uh, to the Western Conference Finals last year. Yeah, so kind of to me, I'm I'm just trying to enjoy the ride. I haven't been watching the games as much because like there have been there was kind of this streak well, of and I put you on a on a two week ban basically yeah of, uh, so I I season. didn't watch a lot of like maybe their pro- I've started I watched but this is I'm usually a full game watcher like I watch like the second half of the Suns game and the second half of the Warriors game so I've been I've been a little bit more casual with my watching and that's kind of how I would anticipate it's fun to watch these. So the thing is, and then we can move on, I swear, they've relied a lot on iso ball, and their offense has been, like, there's been more games that are, like, 100 to 100 in the third, at the end of the third quarter this season than I can ever remember with the Blazers, and that's where the, like, losing Harkless and Aminu comes in, but we don't have to relitigate that. But, like, oh, Damien's doing well, or, oh, CJ's doing well, oh, Melo's doing well. But it's these, it's the role players that are like really killing you night in and night out. Whether it's a Bazemore who I don't blame, but I just don't enjoy. Wa- he's overextended, and I don't enjoy watching him try to. I mean, do he's good. For, he's not good at doing. Yeah, he's basically. good for twenty minutes a game, and man. then you get your Anthony Tollivers and Hazonias, and and it's kind of like forget, like you know what I mean. Yep. Forget it. And when things start to fall apart, it it hurts a lot. So. With that, I haven't really paid that much attention to the Nets since they had that so, like, kind of in my mind, they had that streak where Kyrie was out and they were playing still well. Out. Still out. So that's still He's happening. Just, and, and it's still continuing on where Dinwiddie's, like, literally carrying this team. Karis LeVert is out. It's literally Dinwiddie and the squad um, of, like, so Torian that, Prince and Joe Harris that so are So has that, like, squad. recaptured your... Do you feel like this is a more joyful Nets team despite... It's it's kind and of a weird full strength. It's kind of what? a weird thing because I'm like, yes, it is more joyful, but then also because of the expectations I had coming into the year, which weren't honestly that high, but I think would were competing for the sixth seed, basically where where Indiana's at right now. That's kind of what I was expecting, and like they're pretty much there. Yeah. Um, Kyrie being out is just like a wow. They 
kind of look more enjoyable and better without him and yeah. without and with Dinwiddie kind of leading the show and he's averaging like I think 20 to 25 a game basic he's basically averaging like 25 a game as like the lead guard um taking over for Kyrie and I enjoy it and like some of the guys like Harris and Torian Prince like they're they've kind of been in that those roles <laughs> that they were in last year and in previous years where they're like this fun scrappy team now Jared Allen's getting mid- even DeAndre Jordan like kind of being relegated as the backup center and being okay with it I'm fine with that like all those things it's just like the next step of them like basically for them to take a next step is whether Kyrie's able to be re-implemented into the way they've been con- like playing and the way they've continued some of the winning basketball and s- instead of them stopping and this was like the huge concern coming into the yeah. year and i like the their best three players are Dinwiddie, Kyrie and uh Karis Lever. and when they're all back together i don't know how that works yeah um and that's the concern for well, me. Well, it's interesting, Zach, because there are kind of two sides to it. One is, and I thought this at the beginning of the season, I actually don't think there's that much scrutiny on them, as you might have expected, which is which is pretty good because it kind of allows this all to kind of play out in the shadows and um you know what I mean? Like it hasn't ha- even though they've been playing well without him, like it hasn't quite had that like to- the toxic vibes of the of the Celtics necessarily, even if they are a slightly less joyful team, you know. And I've seen that with the Blazers too. Mm-hmm. I just think when you're not playing as well and you have more kind of like veteran guys as opposed to like the young scrappy upstarts, you you lose some of that. But um, the flip side is it will be interesting to see because I heard Zach Lowe talking about this too. Is there this narrative that starts to develop around Kyrie as like being a guy who? I mean, didn't we already know this though? Who like doesn't work as a number one option basically? But the thing is, like, isn't that narrative kind of moot though? Like, because KD isn't the answer back. like who really cares? Because KD is coming back anyway, so it's kind of like a question that. For where only the answer this doesn't really matter. And, and it's only ap- applicable for so this season yeah. anyway, so, so it doesn't matter. Although it sucks as a fan to have to, like, maybe watch that struggle a little bit, like, at least you do have the solace of knowing, like, that it won't... Although KD coming back might have its own... I- so it's interesting. I-, I cut myself off. But KD coming back will have its own issues. But it- it's almost more of a parlor game than anything else. It is interesting, though, that both with both of our teams we appear to already be more focused on next year than than this year, which is kind of funny. Yeah, kind of funny. And it's also like, I mean, like you were kind of talking about before, you got Maryland basketball who's playing. Yeah. And you got Lamar Jackson who's doing incredibly yes. well as well. So it's like those two, those two teams are taking away your attention and it's hard, especially with the Blazers struggling. And we're going to the Maryland versus Seton Hall game tonight. Yeah. Um, which is going to be a bloodbath for... Um, I don't think it will, man. I, I think it's going to be a... I have the Terps by, by n- eight or nine. We'll see what happens. But I, I wouldn't hope be surprised if hope, they... I hope it's close The game opens eight. at minus three. Yeah. So either... Vi- the, like, that's... I, I think it's interesting. It'll be interesting to see if, like, you and Chris... Did you watch a lot? You know me and Chris went to the Rutgers game? Yep. So oh, we're, did boy. you watch the I Rutgers game? I watched the game? whole game. That's, so it'll or be interesting to game, see but. if, like, you and... Either you... 
because it's interesting. Obviously, bookmakers are kind of low on Maryland hoops. I haven't really watched the last three Maryland basketball games because of Final. finals. Like, I had finals during two of them, but I feel like I have a decent enough handle on them. It'll be interesting to see if you and Chris are just kind of have been poisoned by the last couple games or if your take on them is right. Because you both seem pretty doom and gloom about the state of them right now. They don't have any offense. Yeah. Like, who no, is I it coming from? No, I agree with that. From? And that's and why I think the Terps will win tonight, because I, I they have a good defense. Let's let's not go yeah. down that route and at all. Lamar has been yeah yes. incredible. So so and, it's and been fantasy. I've been more into the I've been more into the NFL this year yeah. than in past and years. And fantasy football playoffs for me have worked out wonderfully. I've made both finals for both of my teams, so I had nothing to complain about in in my world of sports. Um, I hear you. at all. All right. Before we move on to this segment, can I? I wanted to share one off the run, one off the beaten path okay, NBA story nearby you to see if you'd heard it. Have you read anything recently about John Beeline's Discord with the Cavs? No, so apparently I haven't. it's kind of like the the Cavs have been floundering at the dregs of the NBA. You you wouldn't be too surprised to hear it. You've seen Darius Garland play well. So there was this article written by um by Shams talking about how Cavs players are really, really unhappy with John Beeline 20 games into the season, particularly the veterans. And basically the gist of the, the article is veterans are upset because Beeline's trying to run the program like a college program when they're NBA players. But this is my favorite, favorite detail in, in, the, in the story. Um, I'm going to just try and read it. Let's see if they have a quote. So... They're talking about Beeline's offense, and so he has this kind of streamlined, streamlined. Oh, so the, they nit, he nitpicks too much about the fundamentals, blah blah blah. But then they say that aside from the main root complaints, players also roll their eyes at Beeline's terminology. He uses names of wild animals, so he calls a curl play a polar bear. <laughs> <laughs> I've I've not heard. This it's story. my favorite under the oh, radar detail. Man. John Beeline being like polar Tristan, bear, Tristan, polar bear, polar bear, <laughs> polar bear, and then being like, "What the fuck?" Like, oh, it's boy. I, I mean, I I I understand the struggles of probably try and remember that the Cavs brought in John Beeline to to kind of do this college thing for a young team, but just the idea. I think you might want to just call it a curl instead of a polar bear. Yeah, man. I mean. We're in the NBA. So now. there you go. I just wanted to share that with you. Thank you for sharing that. Okay, um, so in turn, you have something to share with me. Yep. So, like the last podcast that we ended up having together, I shared the joyous um, wonder of honey butter chips, yeah. uh, which is a Korean snack with Andrew for the first time, and he had never tried it, enjoyed it. So, deciding to keep along with the theme and the segment. Um, I guess Kevin's Korean snack foods, um, bringing it toward to Andrew, um, as he has never tried this snack, um, from my kitchen, it's called the, it's, it's literally labeled peanuts crunch snack, not groom. It doesn't sound grammatically correct at all. It's called Mat Dong's Han. Um, and yeah, it's a, it's a Korean peanuts crunch snack um it's like in the shape of a, a little it's kind of like a hot fry like yeah. andy caps hot fry sure um in in the way it looks but definitely not in the way 
its taste. So Andrew's gonna give it a try and give us his review. So do you want a couple also? Um, yeah, I'll take Just a couple. Obviously, you know what they taste like. I'm yep. assuming. So let me ask: Are these like? Is this an off the wall Korean? Like, is this something a lot of Koreans are gonna have the, in their house? Or um, is this, this like, is uh, like, or is there other varietals so th- of this yeah, kind of th- thing? Or what? I, I would say this is like one brand of them, but this is like a fairly popular snack. So, okay, hold on. So I will say it's sweet, a little bit sweeter than I expected. I expected it to be kind of more of like a. Well, there are two things. I expect it to be more of a peanut butter flavor, and it really does have that more true kind of like sugar. dry peanut. Yep. But it also has that sugary thing. It's like kind of a, I guess like I don't really eat peanut brittle, but kind of like that peanut brittle type thing. Yep. But definitely not like, I, I remember, well, I brought it in and Andrew's like, oh, I think I'll like this because it's like peanut. And I think maybe you were envisioning peanut butter. Um, and I don't, it, no. it definitely doesn't have that taste to it. No, it's a cross between like, uh, but they're, it's a cross addictive. between one of those peanut butter covered pretzels or filled pretzels. And like, uh, the, the kind of like, they're almost glazed in a way that reminds me of like, there's this Italian thing, this Italian Christmas dessert called struffola. Mm-hmm. Which is like little balls of fried dough that are yep. covered in yeah, honey. Yeah, I know what that is. So it kind of reminds me of a cross between that and this. So I'll say this: where the where the honey butter chips had more of that sweet salty thing going, this I kind of wish it had a little bit more salt salty. in it. Yep, because it does feel like desserty in a way that's a little bit jarring to me, but it's still good. I will say this. It says, uh, I mean, these Korean snacks are very calorically dense. I don't know. Koreans are generally very healthy people. Maybe they have good portion control or something. Yeah, exactly. But um, given that, like, if these were in my fridge next to, like, pretzels and chips as opposed to the honey, like, the honey butter chips, I think I'd rather probably have a pretzel dipped in peanut butter than this, but it's still good. So I implemented my pitchfork rating system last time on the honey butter chips. I forget what I gave them, but I gave them best new music, which is kind of like the editor's choice. Right, right. I'm going to be a little bit more harsh harsh to the peanut crunch snack, but I enjoyed it very much. I'm going to give it a 7.4, which is, you know, it means basically like, you know, it it's it's good. We're, um, we're recommending it. It's good for its genre, oftentimes. Uh, but it's not necessarily. It's it's a gr- good utility. It's not coming with highest recommendations, but but still very solid. And just to show you guys that. W- I'm not paying Andrew to praise all Korean snacks. There you have no, it. No, I'm going to give off. But if I gave honest, everything a glowing review, exactly. once again, if you left these at my house, which I you will not be doing because my brother's allergic to peanuts, yep. and I don't want him to accidentally eat it. Yep. But if you left this in my house, I definitely would eat the rest of it. Like, I enjoy it. I would definitely enjoy How it. How quick did the honey butter chips go? The, like, two days later, I ate, like, I thought I had eaten a good amount of the bag, but, like, I ate half the bag, like, in one in one sitting. Yeah. Yeah, those were fire. Yeah. So. These were good, but yeah. um, honey butter chips, I think, sent a high standard, and I want to leave wiggle room. Exactly. Everything. So, just to let you guys know that he's grading them 
on a fair yes. scale. So thanks again, thanks, guys, Kev. for listening in. And I'm going to end the podcast now so you don't hear us chewing and crunching into the mic any mo- longer. So thanks, guys, for again, for listening and listening um, to the podcast and continuing to support it. Um, yeah, be on the lookout for more podcasts. And hopefully, fingers crossed, I am a victor in both of my fantasy leagues um, in week 16. Good luck, man.